Support the Amigos podcast on Patreon or PayPal and receive cool perks and rad swag. Visit our page at everythingamiga.com support. Amiga, the first personal computer that gives you a creative edge. Welcome to Amigos. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today, Aaron, it's another public domination dogfight 1v1 and jump mm, roll. I'm going to go with public domania, just like mm. I always do. That's the better title. This, uh, have you ever been in a dogfight? You mean like in an airplane? Yeah. No. No. <laughs> my God, I've only flown commercial. That'd be horrible. <laughs> have you ever been? I, I, that was my next question. Stepping back one, have you ever been in a single engine plane before? In a single engine plane? No. Oh. No. I've been in a, a I've been in a prop plane, but not a single engine. Right. Plane. Well, if you fly out of Charleston, you're flying in a prop plane. Well, so I've never flown out of Charleston. Yeah. But I flew out of like a, a Louisville, I think it was. No, it was a can it was a Kansas City to Louisville. Mm. That's where it was. And so that was and we took like a non jet. They call it a puddle jumper. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And what a puddle. There's nothing there's nothing that lies in between those two areas. Just yeah. puddle right over. Um now on the other hand, jump and roll. Wait a minute, back up a minute. Have I ever been in a dog fight? Yeah. Where that? Who the hell are you gonna ask that question? Dude, they're gonna be like, "Oh yeah, I've been in a bunch of them." Well, as people in Nam or something. Yeah. Have you been in one? No, I'm not old enough to have been in one. Well, me either. I'm not. I wasn't around when Nam was going on. Yeah, you were. I, mean, I was like one at hey, the end man. of that year. <laughs> a dog fight. Have you ever seen a dog fight like between two actual dogs? Um, now that's a good question. Or been? Have you ever been to a, a dog or cock fight? You mean like a Michael Vick situation? That's right. Yeah, because uh, that, that is a that's a thing. It's around a thing, here. and it was a big thing back when I was a kid. It's uh, not so much now. You know, I think I've seen a couple dogs sort of be aggressive to each other, but I don't think I've ever seen an all-out fight. And I've seen the dogs go at it. You know, they get pissed off. They usually, that, well, you know what happens nasty. when you let the dogs out? They bark. Yeah, and they make an annoying tune. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but no. Uh, uh, um, I've played a lot of games where you were in dog fight. I say wings. I love that game, but no, I don't. I don't plan ever being in one. Mm. Now, have you ever have you ever been to a Michael Vick style dog fight? No, I love dogs. Well, I, me too. I wouldn't no. want any part of it. I know. I've never, but I mean, way before Michael Vick was born, there were dog fights around. Oh sure. And they're still fighting roosters around. I mean, I go past the place of one of my uh, roots that have all, all the. My buddy is—he's from way out in the sticks. He's like, see that area right there? He's like, that's all training roosters right there. That's yeah, where. yeah. Cockfights are still big in Thailand too. Oh this yeah, un- unfortunate. Yeah, you know, everybody's got their thing. I guess so. Um, now, when I think about jump and roll, I think about jump roping, and I think about Aaron Dowdy in gym class going to town with the jump rope. Did you ever do the jump rope for heart? I did. Mm-hmm. I did do that. And uh, that did not help anybody. Let's put it that way. <laughs> what I think of it is, remember those guys, you remember it back, this is before you were probably conscious of what was going on, but they did this thing called the double double Dutch jump rope stuff. That is still, you know, when I started teaching yeah. in the inner city, up in PG County, Maryland, uh, girls still play double Dutch on the on, on the playground all day long. That's well, a great, that's a, that was awesome. Yeah. That and breakdancing sort of came together, mm-hmm. you know. And, uh, and you had, and it was uh, co. It was you know you had girls doing breakdancing and jump rope, and the boys doing both. It mm-hmm. was, it was, I like that. Yeah, it was fun to watch. You know, you ever heard that song, the Double Dutch Bus? Remember that song? Mm-mm. No, look it up. Double Dutch is a weird name when you think about it. Du- where I know you got two ropes, but where's the Dutch? Where's the Netherlands man, connection? Man, I don't even know. Maybe the Netherlands. That's where they did it first. Maybe so. The inner cities of the Netherlands. Yeah, yeah. Something tells me they're a lot different than the inner cities of America. Yeah, yeah. I would imagine so. I would imagine so. Well, Aaron, it's been a busy week in the world of Amiga news. Uh, I've been snooping around the corners of the internet. I've seen some news this week. What do you got, Boats? And this is what I found. Our first story comes to us from YouTube. This is a video that just was released this past week. Uh, This is from the Laird's Lair. I love this guy. I've seen some of his stuff before. Um, This is the story of the Commodore 9000. A lot of people think that the Amiga was Commodore's first 16-bit computer. But those people are wrong. Ooh, even I haven't seen this one. Yeah, the Commodore 9, or 900 was going to be 
the uh, the competitor to Atari's line of uh, 16-bit computers. Which could have been the Amiga. Right. That's funny how close that could have Isn't been. It, it's a crazy, crazy story. It never gets old. No. Um, so the Commodore 900 basically has the same shape as, as I'm going through here to try and find a picture of one. Here we go. Um, this is, It basically is the same shape as like an Amiga um, 2000. Like 2000, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's pretty similar. Um, one of the things that I like about it is it has an MSX-style D-pad right, uh, right there on the keyboard. Those are always death, though, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. You're not going to want to be playing a lot I mean, of games I'd with say, those. You know, I've noticed now, and maybe he's always there, but I've noticed here recently that Laird's Lair has been doing some more of these documentary-style shows. Mm -hmm. I watched one he did the other day. I actually can't remember what it was. It was really good. Uh, but uh, uh, this looks great. I'm, I have to say, I've never heard of this. I've never heard of this computer. Look at that. It looks just like it. It's got the same font and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, make sure, sure you check that out. I'm sure the uh, super geniuses that occasionally listen to this show will probably know all about it. We're the last ones to the party. But I, I have to say, I've never heard of that. It's fascinating. It is. It's very cool. Um, another uh, check-in with one of our uh, community members. Uh, Tenmark is back this week with a joint venture with another uh, fan of the show, Pixel Vixen. They get together and do some personal paint. Now, personal paint sort of lives in the <laughs> shadows of the behemoth that is deluxe paint. But personal paint still a uh, you know a quite a piece of software in its own right. Do you know the Amigos connection with uh, Personal Paint? I don't. Well, Personal Paint was actually designed by the guy that does Amiga Forever, Mike. Oh yeah. Yeah, he was the programmer. No kidding. I interviewed him about this. We went in, we went deep in the weeds with Personal Paint at Amiga Ireland. Unfortunately, the audio was infamously lost oh, from that man, interview. Oh man, that stinks. But uh, but yeah, if you are at all interested in Personal Paint and how it might stack up against D Paint, make sure you check out this joint venture between Tenmark and Pixel Vixen. You know, as I watch this, here's a quiz for you, pop quiz. Okay. Who do you think's doing this art? Is this Tenmark or is this Pixel Vixen? Oh, Who do you think the, it might you be? You think Tenmark has this kind of ability? <laughs> no. Tenmark's it. busy fixing his Amiga 2000. I had to say it. I had to say it. But hey, that's great. I haven't seen this either. This looks great. Yeah. yeah. And Tenmark and Pixel Vixen, they're all, they're like, Going crazy! It's they crazy are. time. Um, now this is this I is. I did watch this. This is not directly related to the Amiga, but it's such a wacky story that I had to I had to feature yeah. it on the show. On this week's uh, edition of the Retro Man Cave, um, he goes into you know he does these things called retro tea breaks, yeah. where he interviews various luminaries on the show. I never miss them. Um, and in fact, I watched the one in question. Right. And this guy was weird, acted weird. And of course, one of the uh, you know when you think about the Amiga demo, demo scene, probably top three most famous demos would be this this one. What's it called? Jesus on E. Yeah. Is that right? Um, you know, you've got the one with the girls dancing around, you've got like that other one, and then you've got this one. So, Jesus on E, the music was, uh, was programmed, was composed by this guy named Echo, okay? Um, and Retro Man Cave, while at a show, at an expo sort of deal, a con, as it were, and that's a good word for it, uh, he saw this guy claiming to be Echo up there on stage spinning his tunes. So he's like, hey, you want to come be on my show? And the guy was like, yeah. And so the, the guy, you know, the Echo, turns out he, he came on Neil's show. And um, after Neil put it up, there were a bunch of people that were like, I know Echo. This is not Echo. And it turns out they were right. Uh, Neil did some research. And it turns out this guy has been selling himself as Echo, as the composer of Jesus on E for who knows how many years, and um, it's not him. It's just some other dude. And, and what, what's interesting is Neil talked about how uh, he did a remix of the actual uh, song in question. It was awesome. So this guy clearly has skills, and, and clearly they paid the bills. Right. He's getting booked. So I'd say that's the end of him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you I, know, think... I will say, you know... Uh, uh, and I'll, this goes for Pixel Vixen and, and Tenmark and Ravi and Dan, all these guys, uh, 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 you know, Lafarius. They're all, these guys are pros, and Neil is a super duper pro. Yeah. Slick, slick as anything. And I will say, I, I, and I said it a little, just a quick note, 
uh, that I, I thought you did a great job handling this because this could have went south in a hurry. Oh yeah. And one thing about uh, Neil, he he does not. He was always straight up, mm -hmm. and he said he came right out. And I feel like he was very charitable to this guy. He too. was because I, yes. I I thought it was. I thought he might. I mean. He'd have every reason to We might have the boom yeah. on, this, on this guy if, if, if uh, he had done something like that to us. Hey, another reason not to do interviews, eh? Right, uh, right. But, uh, uh, yeah, Neil, this is, this is pretty interesting, and this is a uh, this shows you what kind of what kind of guy Neil is as well. Because, like I said, he didn't bury this guy, and he also told his his people, don't, don't go out and kill this guy. Mm -hmm. he's, he's clearly this guy probably has some issues. And clearly the guy's got some talent. So if anything good comes out of it, maybe this guy will be like, listen, I apologize. I'm the artist formerly known I, yeah, as that guy. I, I mean, he can be he can be the bunny man. Right. How about that, he Absolutely. can come out. I'll allow it. I am the devil bunny. He mm -hmm. can come out and he and he can do his own thing. You know, uh, just you know, stand on your own merits and talents, and you'll be fine. Yeah. I, that's my message. But I thought it was well handled. Well Absolutely. Handled. All right. This is a, a video that I came across on the internet that I thought was really cool. Uh, this is a guy that I've never heard of before. This is G Peter Seven do-it-yourself mods. All right. Okay. This guy is powering his Amiga twelve hundred with a Pico ATX PSU. Yeah, I, I, I'm familiar with those. Okay. So this thing is an ultra ultra tiny um, PSU. It's got a little built-in fan and everything. Yeah. And he slots this bad boy right into the twelve hundred. Yeah. Here's my question for you. Why is anybody doing anything else but using these things? Well, the Pico is, you know, at first, I heard about this thing a while back. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know, this is, a, to me, this is an unknown commodity here. I want to see how it goes. I mean, it's so small. It's tiny. Now, one thing you need to consider is that a lot of the classic uh, machines, and the Amiga in particular, you know, or a C64, they don't have huge uh, demands on, on uh, power. Right. You know, it's not like a modern PC where the thing you can heat up the whole house yeah. with it. You know, the Amiga is not going to use a ton of juice, and the Pico really is a. I mean, it's a. I've not had one. I've seen them. I've seen them used. I've, I'm trying to think of the first person I saw that did this. It may have been. Uh, oh boy, I can't remember the other lady. The other lady that's really big in the Amiga scene. Oh, Mad Lemon. I think it was may have been her that I saw doing putting one of these together. Uh, uh, but uh, it uh, it's an interesting idea, you know. I and. Something I looked up. I remember looking up the cost for these, and and uh, I was like, yeah, I don't know if it's worth it, you know, at the time, because I also have that idiotic alternate use that we did. Mm -hmm. uh, but the, hey, it looks good, and I can think of a lot of uses for it. And by the way, just before we move off this, I want to note that this the man who's doing this uh, has a great taste in joysticks. I did notice that as well. I saw that grubby, grimy thing hanging out oh, there under the case, listen, and I was like, boy, that looks like Aaron. Don't lie to the people, Bo. That thing. Don't lie to the people. You're a believer. You've got one. You've got the exact same one. No, it's I don't have the ergo. Dead flesh sticks to that thing like listen, Velcro on Velcro. Listen to me. You have one just like it. And you and you bad mouth, bad mouth, and then you you didn't tell the people when you went up and bought your own. <laughs> and finally this week, Aaron, one more story. This I left the best for last. There is a new clone board in town. We've seen the clone board of the 1200. Uh, our uh, Amigos Game Selection Committee member Figgy CTZ owns one that he recently got up and running. But now it's time for a new clone, the Amiga 3000 clone board, built Ooh. from the ground up by this guy, Chucky Gang. Now, is, is, is this another one of these deals where you have to take the chips off another board? That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. So he is he's taken a 3000 and he's uh, altered the design of the board to take off things that he deemed unimportant and add things are that are. Man, I would, I'm glad you didn't do this project. Oh we, my gosh, take I, off would, everything. I wouldn't have been able to get off Jump Street with something yeah. like this. This is this is no good. Uh, this First is, thing you'd cut AGA, gone. <laughs> That's right, just saw it all. Floppy drive, gone. It's everything gone. <laughs> <laughs> RF modulator. Now, didn't we have someone in our uh, in one of our buddies in Discord just finished up a project similar to this, didn't they? Um, That's right. Um, a figgy CTZ just figgy? got yeah. done with this. How does he have time to do this stuff? He's a, he's a machine. Yeah, I don't know. That looks pretty good though, uh, boat. You know, if it, it, it's a shame you have to, you know, rob uh, Peter to pay Paul, or as they say. Well, the way I see it is perhaps. There are so many um, non-working, uh, you know, three thousands out there that yeah. you can sort of cobble one together from non-working parts. But can you imagine how long it would take to individually test each one of these components? Yeah, just even before you put them on the board. I'm not that patient. Oh my gosh! I'll be honest with I you. Couldn't, I you couldn't. Know? I couldn't. 
I, and also years of doing stuff like this, have, and also the fact that my hands are shot, I couldn't. I, my my soldering days on that on that level of that size are pretty much over. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty interesting, though. Yeah, yeah. It's very cool. Um, all right, Aaron. That is the end of this week's side updates. Why don't we take a look at this week's Dreamcatcher report? What's been going DK on? DK was fairly quiet this week. All we really had was a, uh, a posted script from one of his videos. I do urge you if you. Uh, if you don't follow the DK on uh, YouTube, uh, and you're really into some wild, wacky fun, there he's your boy. Uh, I suggest you go check him out. And he's also uh, having a look at Wings of Fury. Now, I believe on ARG, didn't do, I think I played this on ARG with the Brent on the uh, 68,000. Okay. Uh, back in the day, I've played I a played lot it of on this. the Amiga. Yeah, this uh, is a great a bunch game. Of times. Uh, and uh, it's it's funny the Japanese version of this is particularly interesting. It's a little bit different, uh, but uh, uh, yeah. Oh, wow, now that what version was that? It just scrolled by. Is that is that like yeah, a C sixty four? I see that I've not played. That's yeah. a, that's kind of wacky. But uh, uh, you know, DK he doesn't mess around. He's no. got the full he's got the full deal. But like I said, if you if you haven't got his video, check him out. And he's always got and there's tons of videos that we, that come up that he doesn't have scripts for or doesn't. Are different than what he posts on everythingamiga.com, and mm -hmm. uh, that he gets into some crazy stuff. Absolutely. All right. Well, that does it for this week's side updates and Amiga news. Aaron, you ready for public domaination? I am a man. What 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 do you what do you think should lead the dance this Let's week? Let's start with jump and roll, shall we? Jump and roll. Now we had a touch on this. Was it two years ago, Bud? Yeah, I think two years ago in AmigaCon we played some jump and roll. You know, I'm wondering if the game, if the version we played, apparently this game comes with several different soundtracks, or someone's modified or added. Something. Really interesting. Because I, I now my memory is not good, as you know, Bill. But uh, um, I don't remember the music being the same as the as when I played it this oh, time around. I, I and then have... I watched the video, and the music in the video was like the one I was playing. As okay, to what well we maybe were even you and I played different versions. Yeah, it could have been. Uh, so uh, again, these all these games, these both these games are public domain. Run out and get them, mm -hmm. freebies, and go get them right now. So Jump and Roll uh, was released in '90. Excuse me, uh, came on it came on an Amiga Action disc. Uh, this was on. Let me see if I've got the actual. Uh, yeah, this was on Amiga Fun issue 35. There's a magazine book called Amigo. Hmm. It was on Amigo issue two. How do we not know about that? It, right maybe now? it only lasted for maybe that was the two, closing the issue. issue yeah. And then Amiga Action issue forty-eight. This is available, so a freebie. Uh, and this was uh, this was developed by D Light Dash Somewhere in Time Disc Magazine. That's what's that's, that's how it's listed here. Okay. Um, the fellow that put this together, we had a couple guys here. The coder was a guy named the Blitter King. The Blitter King. And then it's kind of like the Rat King on. Ninja so Turtles. I'm guessing that somewhere in time was a was a, a digital magazine that they these guys were involved mm -hmm. in. That's my guess. The coder was a fellow called the Copper Kid. Really, real Weird. name. The no, Copper Kid. I don't know. I don't know. And the graph uh, the graphics boy guy. I shouldn't call him graphics boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like it's like in the movies. They still have terms with boy and then like best boy. This, I'm just gonna say it, his name was uh, is listed as Warstein Dash Hauser. Hmm, sounds German. Yeah, I think these all these fellas are German. And the musician, which I want to single out, Libyan Paradise with a Z. Libyan cool Paradise. Libby. Libby in Paradise. Libby in Paradise. He's trying to accuse him of being a Libyan. Yeah, he's a. It's a. He, where are you Lib living? Libyan Paradise. Libyan. You know, you don't. That's where hear, I've been spending most of my life. You know, and you don't hear the terms Libya and Paradise thrown together definitely, too often. Definitely not. I've never been there though, so it might be. It might be great. Now's not a good time. You know, I'll tell you something. My, uh, just like you think, every place is. You know, you hear all this stuff on the, the news. Just a little sidetrack here. You know, my buddy was in uh, uh, was over in the Middle East when Desert Storm was going on, so the job, and he would, you know, and he's like, I'm like, listen, what's it like to be out in the, in the desert and stuff like Afghanistan? Mm -hmm. He'd say, listen, he's like, yeah, you got your desert, and then you've got fields of the most beautiful terrain I've ever seen, mixed bag. Sure, so you never sure. know. You never know. You know. So, um, <laughs> anyway, uh, this ran on anything. You were good to go. Um, so, what is jump and roll? Well, you're a ball, 
yep. sure enough. An Amiga ball. And yeah. you and you roll. And you <laughs> you roll the ball and then you jump over gaps. And while this is happening, you, you listen to awesome tunes. Well, that's debatable. Well, no, well, go ahead, please. Well, if you like your Euro dance trash, if you like your demo scene music. You don't think the music fits the game? I turned it off. I couldn't take it. I wanted to tear my ears off. Especially the loser theme when you lose the game and you hear that. It's like slow dirge synth. Wait, you lost. It's supposed to be sad. No, I want to hear boop and what? then start again. Every game is not like Mr. Do. <laughs> and it's and it's some it's a, it's a bad thing. Listen, what it please lead the dance here. Tell us what your thoughts on jump and roll were. Okay. Because I thought you liked them when we played it on the show. Um, no. <laughs> I'm gonna go back and watch that. I know you thought. I'm sure you so said you liked I've it. I've played tons of games like this before. Okay. Uh, the, the games, I think Trailblazer is one that yeah. appeared on several 8-bit platforms. Um, this game uh, is way too hard from the get-go, okay? Um, what they should have done was made the first stage about half the length of what they did to give you a sense of accomplishment. <laughs> I never beat the first stage in this game, and I played it a lot. I did. Well, you're better than I am. I didn't beat the second stage. I got, this game is so frustrating because instead of building, this is a game design 101, okay? Yeah. Don't introduce all the concepts in the first stage, okay? Have you ever played a game called Super Monkey Ball? I have. Okay? I love that game. That's an example of an excellent implementation of this style of play, okay? You're a ball, you're rolling around, you're trying to get to the goal. So let me get this straight. You're saying that the Sega designed like a team that produced Monkey Ball did a better job scaling its difficulty than the couple guys from Germany that made this public domain This game. is the same false argument that people make about Japanese game design studios all the time. They assume that there's 20 or 30 people working on these games. Mm -hmm. Guess how many people were on the Super Mario Brothers design team? Uh, I saw a little chart about Three. that. The, the teams were just as small as these Amiga teams. The difference is talent. You think you think that the uh, the, the the team that did Monkey Ball had had only two or three people on it? I have no idea, but I, I'm I mean, saying that a, you're it's you're, a moot point. You're right. Yeah, I'm coming back. I just fighting to be fighting. It's, it, it, so, it's, it ramps up its difficulty pretty quickly. Right. What they should have done was chop the stages up to where each stage for like the first four stages is just like, hey, this is a thing that does a thing, so you can learn about what it does. When you run over red, you get slower. When you go over purple, your controls reverse. Blah 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 blah. That's blah. That's the one that gets you. Yeah. That's. And so. Not only does it let you kind of, in it, it, the thing about it is, this is at its heart as a racing game. You're competing to get the fastest time. Okay, there's score. I'm pretty sure score means nothing. It's all about the, the fastest time. So, what I uh, what I would suggest is make these like time trials, like the game Trials. You know, this is a, a, another kind of stunt racing game where the tracks are not tremendously long. In fact, a lot of times the tracks are really short, especially at the beginning. But you're trying to get the best time. It would have been so much better if they would have cut the length of the tracks, made more tracks, and really made you make you want to go back and see if you can hone and get the best time that you can on each one of these shorter tracks. You could do that. I mean, I think part of the difference is, and it, this is one of those games that you can't quite fairly judge in 2019, in my opinion, because this would have been quite a visual treat in 1990. I'm not denying the visuals well, at I know, all. I'm, no, but, I'm, that my, but the I'm visuals saying, have nothing to do with my complaints. No, but I, no, I'm not saying you're wrong. But hear me out here. Um, sometimes visuals will take you further than they should. Okay, <laughs> you know, I mean, listen, I love Dragon Slayer more than anybody, right? Mm -hmm. And the visual art representation is beautiful and gorgeous, and the gameplay is not that great, right? Obviously, the, but the visuals. I mean, if somebody put a game out that like like that now, probably wouldn't do that well. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, so you, you you've got to you've got to look at it from when it was released, and and that would at least give you some idea why people like it. Now, I'm going to disagree with you on the music. I thought the music worked. I mean, the music is fine. I, I, I know. I don't know. I can't understand fine. why you ha don't like that. I hate. Music. I really the music while you're playing is okay. The music when you die is so horrible. It's like one of those things out of Shadow of the Beast. You know, the Shadow of the Beast when you die music and you get that. Yeah, that's awesome. 
That's not what you want. That doesn't inspire you to try again. It inspires yeah, it you to turn it off. Like you, that's some of the best music of all time. That little guitar riff. Are you kidding me? How the hell are you? You, you're a, you're in the music career, and you're bad mouthing Shadow of the Beast music. Yeah, that that. I'm last... calling the county. Something's gone wrong. Okay. Anywho, I like the music, I, and I like the visuals, and I, I like the fact I like the the feeling you get. Like I said, it's it's a good package. I think I think that uh, 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 Libyan Paradise did a good job, and 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 when they melded this together, I thought it was cool looking. I don't know. I think it's just kind of I like these kind of trippy games. You know, I'm like you. Yeah, I've played it before. Now I wouldn't directly compare this to Monkey Ball, but I get what you're saying. Uh, the I think I, now one thing I would have done the reverse. Anytime my game has those reverse controls, that's got, get that out. Another thing that they could have done to make this a little bit easier on the beginner is whenever you're rolling over a certain color, maybe just put what that color does up at the top, right underneath your uh, underneath your time or something like that. Just nah, put nah. slow or put reverse. No, 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 you can't do Cause that. Because like I said, when you introduce all of these mechanics right off the bat in level one, it's just incredibly frustrating. I hate it when I spend half an hour playing a game and I can't beat the first level. I will say this, um, and we've seen this in other public domain games, a lot of times you're going to get this game and you're not going to have a manual. Now, granted, this came on, and, and I will give them a bit of the doubt since this came on um, uh, magazines. Inside, it probably. And so, yes, would it be nice? And we've played several that had all the instructions like on the screen. I think Hangar 18 had that, um, among others. Uh, but. Um, um, you know, I don't, I don't think you could fault them for that. I mean, technically, they it sort of had a manual kind of in a magazine form, one would assume. Maybe. So, I mean, and you, you can't expect these guys on this level to be putting all the instructions right up on the screen. I mean, that, that's a it's, lot It would be one word. That's, that's a lot. Slow. Yeah, I but, mean, that's what Arkanoid did. You have a, Laser. <laughs> slow. Well, they just assume you're going to figure it out pretty quick. Um, so the, <laughs> now this game, I do I do appreciate the fact that it has a high score, yeah. you know, screen. Uh, although it, I don't believe it's, I mean, I don't think it's persistent. Um, but that that's cool. Um, I mean, it's. I normally like this kind of game. These days they call them endless runners. Endless um, roller. Although this one does. Yeah. This Endl one sort endless of has roller. Um, you know, it, it's fine. Um, but the the difficulty was was too much right off the bat. And uh, I just, I wasn't a big fan of the music. I also didn't like the fact that your ball didn't seem to roll at the speed that it should have. Like, it seemed like you're, 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 like there is some variation on how fast you're moving versus how fast your ball is spinning. Yeah. But it, it, it doesn't match up correctly. So like your ball will, it's like it has two speeds. It has like slow rolling and then faster rolling. But your your actual um, acceleration has like 10 different clicks on it. And so like really when you're going at top speed, that ball should be rolling so fast that you can no longer see the grid pattern. So that annoyed me too. You know, I don't look at this game. We've, we've actually looked at some really top level PD stuff. We looked at, and I've, Looking like I'm talking about Alien Fish Finger. I'm talking about Hangar 18, and, and to a certain degree, what we're going to else we're going to be talking about on the show. And I don't think this is a bad game, but this is one of those games you load up when you got 10 minutes before you head out to get in the mm -hmm. car to drive sure, somewhere. It's, sure. it's 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 a kill some time special. Mm -hmm. uh, this would be right at home in any mobile device. You know what I'm saying? You right. could you could put it right on there, get your stylus out, and go to work. If you look at it in that vein, I think it's I think it's perfectly fine. But it's I don't think it's any great shakes. I think the standout of it, aside from the visuals, is the is the tunes, which I like way way more than you. But otherwise, I mean, there's not much to say about it. Um, I did look did a little research on it. There wasn't a whole lot to be had, but uh, and I never got this far. But there's no ending screen in this game. At the end of stage, get this boat. You'll love this. At the end of stage eight, the track just ends and you fall down into black emptiness until a timer runs out. Yeah, it's typical. Then you Amiga get a, you get a game roller. What's that mean? It's just it's PD. And then you get your high score. So it's a lot like when the uh, it's when you get to the crash screen on Donkey Kong. You just die over and over, and then they put your name in. It's like when Jim Power wraps his arm around his girlfriend. I love it. Um, this actually got some reviews, but believe it or not. 
Uh, the people in Lemon liked it more than you. Uh, they gave it a 7.56. That's a low score for Lemon Man. No, it's not. Anything I, below clearly, an 8 no, is a low score It's because we don't play horrible games. Mm. Trust me, go in there and look. Uh, there's plenty of horrible, horrible games that get horrible scores. Uh, and there are plenty of games that have no score. Amiga Power uh, gave this a 4 out of 5 in September of 92. So this is well after That's it's been crazy. released. That's hey, crazy. listen, this is clearly a 4 out of 5 game. And then the one uh, in December of 92 gave it an 80%. So... I uh, uh, I think that you know that's about right. Eighty, you know, somewhere in that. C, it's a C game. It's not a, you know, it's not a, in at the upper echelon of the stuff we've played in public do, uh, domainia. But you know, it's okay. We got some uh, reviews from our Discord community. Graham Vebke says a Trailblazer clone that plays much better, and he he adds slower than the C64 version of the game. Has more colors and more modern music. Trouble is, it's still very uninspiring like the original Trailblazer, and I didn't enjoy this or the original. But cheer up, you made it to the end of this review. <laughs> Five out of ten. Oh, <laughs> um, Chris Fold says, Jump and Roll is a poor man's Trailblazer. It fails to bring anything new to the table or add any 16-bit shine. Four out of ten. And finally, Pixels says... A really solid Trailblazer clone and probably the PD game I'll come back to the most. With no version of Trailblazer on the Amiga, this was unique to the platform and being coded by a demo scene guy meant smooth as butter graphics and Euro trash music. Oh, wait a minute. I added that. And quality sound. A bug means you can't actually complete the game, but I never got that far anyway. 8 out of 10. I think you need to reevaluate your musical taste a little bit. I think you're killing this you're game. You're right. I, it's a good... It, there's not a darn thing wrong with that soundtrack. I, it's the best part of the whole game. Mm, well, yeah, sorry. it might be. I liked it. I liked it. I thought it was, I thought it was a decent little game. I'd say it was a pleasant distraction. Let's turn the page. Literally, you just I literally the page. did it. Uh, and look at our next game, Dog Fight. <laughs> now, now, we... To say we had a cup of coffee with this game would be we ate we drank the whole pot and then started just snorting the, the grounds. Mm. That's right. Uh, we played the crap out of this very recently, so we were very very familiar with its with uh, everything about the dog fight. So let's talk about dog fight. Uh, this also came out in ninety. Mm. Yeah. What do you think about that? Well, so, ninety was a great year. This was developed by Richard Ling. Now I tried. Who's like, Richard Linkletter? Well, no, you're thinking Art Linkletter, but I don't mm. know who that is. So, okay. Anyway, Richard Ling, all I could find out is he's from Australia. That's all I know. That's all you okay. need to know. I couldn't find, I mean, I looked. Because it's funny, You could, if you nose around, you can find interviews. Or crap. I couldn't find nothing. I couldn't find nothing about this guy. So if anybody knows anything about Mr. Ling, or Mr. Ling happens to be listening, we'd love to talk to you. Uh, two players simultaneous. As far as I could tell, uh, this was all Mr. Ling did. This is it. But, but if you're going to go out, go out hey, and go on a good yeah. one. Uh, ECS, OCS. Now, this only is a two-player game, so you've got to take some points away from the fact that you can't play uh, a single-player game sure. of, of, of this. Uh, uh, this was made on Amos, the uh, uh, game development uh, programming language. And uh, we've seen some good games made with Amos. We've seen some bad games made with Amos and everything in between. It is really, uh, it is really interesting how... Uh, again, it all comes down to the programming. Because there are some people, when you read EAB, they say, well, this game definitely <laughs> has an Amos look, meaning it in a derogatory fashion. Mm -hmm. But uh, to me, this game looks beautiful. I don't see it. it. I, I think I think it's great. Yeah. So what do you do in this game? This is a game where you are dueling biplanes, mm -hmm. just like it's World War One. Right. You've got uh, a, a what's probably a Fokker, and maybe you've got a Sopwith Camel, mm -hmm. uh, but that's just uh, me making something up in my mind. Those uh, are words. You no, know, those are those are actual. I know, those are planes. Real planes. Hey, listen, wings. It taught me everything yeah. I know. Um, so, what do you do in this game? Well, number one, you you and your and your buddy or your enemy, uh, you start on separate ends of the screen. This is a this is sort of a chop lifter style. Uh, scrolling background that you can go all the way across and then come all the way back mm -hmm. and when you are far from your opponent you will have your own screen and when you're near him the screen will kind of meld into one converge. long screen which it's that a, it's a very cool that effect, effect works perfectly yeah I mean to me 
that's that's just as impressive, you know, coding wise as anything else in the game. It works. How that abso- works it works so well. absolutely yeah. flawlessly. Uh, I wish that more games. Think about all the games that are that for all classic systems that you're stuck either one or the other. Either you both have to be on the same screen and uh, that it just kind of hurries you up if you fall behind, or conversely, it's always dual screen. Yeah. This is a PD game that manages to combine both. It's very funny. impressive. It's funny we were just talking about Wings of Fury a minute ago, and this has a Wings of Fury has a similar uh, view. And similarly difficult taking off. Mm-hmm. Um, so once you you're, the game kicks up, you have to you have to actually um, ably leave the runway in your airplane. Which now, is easier said than cunningly, done. Cunningly, <laughs> both sides of the battle have decided to put a tree at the end of the runway, <laughs> and so you've got to gain just enough speed to get up over this tree. Mm-hmm. Now, it's funny. I was reading some people talking about this game, and apparently there are ways you could actually shoot backwards and do all kinds of cockamamie stuff wow. that I never, I never could figure out how to do. So, what is the gameplay? Well, if you've ever played Atari's Combat, the airplane version, this is you're not too far off. If that was on a scale, scaling screen with, well, it's with gravity, also, well, <laughs> then, no, I mean that's that's I don't know that's I don't find that an apt comparison what do you at mean? all. The combat, combat the airplanes, it's, and, it's a top-down view. It's not a side-on no, no. view. No, not the airplane one. It's, yeah. it's, it's not top-down. Well, I mean, it's the same thing. Two planes well, are shooting at each other. Right, but, point, well, the, yeah, that's every game where two planes shoot at each other. Have you played Ace Combat 6? No. Nope. It's basically this game. Okay, fine. You come up with something then. I thought that was perfect. This game fine. is like biplane duel for the Amiga. Okay. Anyways, so you drive around and try to shoot your opponent. Now, that in itself is pretty fun. And you can also go and blow up uh, your uh, your buddy's base if you want to, which is mm-hmm. that's always a good time. There's a blimp that There's flies blimp. around. There's also a sub that yep. appears. Gets in your face. Now, uh, you can shoot this stuff. It doesn't really make a difference, does no. it? But, but it's fun. It's fun. The graphics are sort of a lush uh, forest. Whoops, sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... Uh, uh, in the background, there's a lazy river and there's mm-hmm. mountains. Beautiful and all. 3D, pseudo 3D, you know, forced perspective background. Right, right. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful cloudy day, uh, but not too cloudy. The clouds uh, also scroll on the screen, which is very impressive. I mean, it's not very impressive, but it's. It, you know, I think it, it looks good. Yeah, it looks. Very I mean, good. it's a colorful game. Mm-hmm. This would have been right at home. I mean, of course, you have to have a two-player ver, a one-player version, but. You could have put this on any of the little handheld systems at oh, the time. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, or maybe the NES mm-hmm. or you know, something like that would have been okay. I mean, I don't know. I've never played Balloon Fight, but I'm sure it's sort of in the same ballpark. Balloon Fight's it? like Joust. Is it okay? Um, I mean, really, that's the game. Mm-hmm. You try to shoot your opponent more than he shoots you. Yeah. That's a game. Yeah. Uh, the, what yeah. What makes this game fun is the physics engine. Because you're you are your own worst enemy ninety percent of the time in this game. You don't have to worry about the computer player because it's very easy for you to you know. Not only is it difficult to take off because you've got the tree at the end of the runway, but once you get going, you will stall out if you don't if you don't keep enough forward momentum. Yeah. Um, you know your plane it controls well, but it's it's a it's a it's a very exact control scheme for sure. Yeah, and you can there's a, you can. Uh go up a little ways. The screen will move a little bit in every direction, but there's two definite ends. There are two, cunningly, aside from the tree in front of the runway, there's also a sheer cliff right. behind the <laughs> runway uh, that, that you have to uh, not hit. Uh, you can hit any of the trees along the way. And But I will say, once you're playing this and you get going, there's something incredibly satisfying about keeping your kite up in the air. Oh yeah, the, the fact that they made the, uh, the taking off so difficult that once you do master it, you really feel like you're awesome just even doing that. Yeah, and you could you could shoot almost straight up. Right, go. right. It, yeah. I mean, it's sort of only partially realistic gravity. This is, this is one of these games that rewards the player for doing uh, you know, for doing small actions, yeah. you know, you want to feel as a as a player, you want to feel empowered. You want to feel like you're a badass. And this game, when you master the control scheme, which does take a little bit of time, you really feel like you know you're doing something more than piling in a ship in a in a normal game. And what I like, and, I, and you know, so it, yes, can you go and bomb your buddies? Uh, your buddy's runway absolutely but what's great is if you're really good you could actually hit your buddy with bombs while he's in the air that's ultra satisfying right, right. bomb him out of the sky absolutely i love that i mean let's we gotta we gotta rein it back a little bit this is a simple game as and it never it's just you just shoot and fight yeah it's, there's not it's not a whole lot to it. but in terms of uh, 
fun multiplayer game. It's fun. I mean, yeah. and it, we had a blast. We played this thing for what about half, half an, an hour, hour. nonstop. Mm-hmm. And when it was over, we were mad because we had to quit. Right. That right there tells you. And, and he hates everything. Yeah, I do. And he loved this. It looked good. It sounded good. Uh, it was the it was the total package on on this one. Uh, there apparently was a, a dogfight 1.0. I don't know what got changed. Uh, it came out in April, and then this one came out a little bit later. Um, this was the this is according to what I read uh, from the blurb. Dogfight is a postcardware developed and published game. Hmm. I don't know what that means. I think know? postcardware might be the publishing company. I don't know. I don't know. On limited, it said publisher was unknown, so I just listed the uh, the author's name here. Right, um, and. Of course, uh, the little blurb, it says it talks about you becoming one of the 20 managers. Well, that's about right. And, and, and it mentions you might not make it for 20 seconds. That's also right. Yeah. So they've scaled that at time. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're not familiar, they were, uh, uh, what was the average lifespan of a, of a World War One pilot was 20 minutes yeah, in the air. Yeah. So if you've ever watched uh, Black Adder season uh, four, there's a great episode where they all become flyers. That's one thing <laughs> that reminds me of. If you can imagine Baldrick flying a plane. Um this only, I only, oh, this appeared on the CU Amiga cover for 1997. Wow! So they so, dug it out of the basement to. Uh... So apparently, and this was up on AmyNet for a while. So uh, now I've got the first release year as 90, but I've got this being published in 95. So I don't know if he sat, you know, the maybe, first version. Yeah, maybe I don't know what. I don't, I don't know what exactly. It, this one is a strange game mm-hmm. in, in general, and the and the fact that we that the guy never did anything else that we know of is also strange because he was obviously a talented programmer, right? And it would be awesome if you're going to ever go back and fiddle with something. If you could add a, a, a another player to this, what would be? You know, I'll tell you what. Here's what I would take, Boat. How about a game of this that I can play on that uh, online Amiga thing? That'd be cool. It or, is. It's already. Oh, up this there. is already up there. How about a game where you could have ten players on the screen? That'd be awesome. That would Make be chaos. Bigger. Yeah, that's what I want. Absolutely um, chaos. This game would be almost perfect with the addition of two things. All right. Thing one, uh, AI. So you can play by yourself. All right, I agree. Thing two, an adjustable time limit. I want to play through three minutes. Whoever's got the most kills at the end of three minutes. Yeah, because it, uh, it never stops. Yeah, it never stops. Off. That's such an oversight for a game that has so many awesome things and attention to detail. I can't imagine. I would love to ask Richard why he didn't put a time limit on. This. I would like to just talk to this guy and, and ask him why. Where's the rest of it, dude? You mm-hmm. can do more. You can do more. The uh, the truth of the matter is, uh, this was this is the. Uh, this is all the things you need to make a good game without actually finishing the game. You know, there, there's plenty more you could have done to make this more fun. I mean, you could actually have made this a legitimate game. I don't know. You can easily, if you start adding things, you can easily take away from well, the I'm fun just, pretty I'm, quick. Well, I'm talking simple stuff. Like you said, the AI. Uh, you, I would like to see different areas to fly in. Yeah, different that would be stages. Fun. Different weather. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, I mean, and the thing is with an engine like this, you could have really done like one player mission stuff. Sure. You know, like a choplifter type. Yeah, thing. it would be cool if they could introduce a landing mechanic. That's one thing you don't do in this game is land. Uh, except for crash landing. Yeah, I was going to say, I've landed a bunch of times just not in one way. But I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, the people, this only had one review, and that was the people in Lemon, and they gave this one an eight. Mm. So I think that's a, I think I think that's, a, I would probably go eight. And again, it's, Kind of grade this one on a curve because I mean realistically you could kill this game. It's only got two players. If you don't have another buddy, you're boned. But I'll tell you what, me and the kid had fun playing it. And me and you had a great time. Yeah, this playing is it. this is a game on paper you'd think would be would be awful, but once you play it, it's it's, it's just fun. Great. It's yeah. just fun. Um, we got a couple Discord reviews. Uh, Graham Vebke says this is a single player game. It is not. So after bribing my children, I had an opponent. The hardest thing is controlling the plane without it stalling. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. Especially on takeoff, as you need to avoid that tree at the end of the runway. (laughs) The shooting is okay, and it goes mostly where you aim, and the cannon at the opponent's base takes you out when you least expect it. Shame it didn't have more of a variety of planes or settings. Variety of planes. Mm -hmm. That'd be good, too. And as after about 20 minutes or so of play and quite a bit of laughing, my opponent was bored with it until next time. 6.5 out of 10. Chris Fulton says, I have no friends, no one likes me, so I couldn't play it. Aw. Question love, mark out of 10. We love you, Chris. Yeah. 
And Pixels at Dawn says, taking the formula delivered by biplanes and adding better graphics, a scrolling screen, bombs, and some AI elements, I still find myself preferring the single screen copper-hued original for its simplicity and tight gameplay. Nothing wrong with this new version, but the additions don't really add much, and I think the split screen actually muddies the gameplay loop a little. Well, so I, maybe the one, maybe that's what the change. I never played the original. I just, I just played the newest. Did you play one? Is that what he's talking about? No, he's talking about biplanes. Oh, okay. I never yeah. played that either. We played it on Amigathon. I don't even remember it. Yeah, it's just like this, except the graphics are a lot more simple. This is, this is, I don't say, I like That one looks more like Atari 2600 graphics. This right here, I like the scrolling. I really do. Me like, too. I like that adds a lot I think, to it. Yeah, yeah. This is easly my t in my top 10 Amiga games. Easily. Mm, okay. Speaking of which, Aaron, before we finish up this week's show, <laughs> uh, we got a listener question okay. from the one and only Pac-Billy. Pac-Billy says... Um, have you and Aaron ever listed your favorite and least favorite genres on the show? You mention them here and there, but it would be interesting to get your definitive lists. Okay. So, le favorite genre. Probably arcade action. Is that, does that count as a genre? Sure. I like... So, something that would be at home in an arcade. That's right. I, I like games like... Uh, Donkey Kong or or Mappy or Galaga stuff. I like a game where I, it's uh I'm not I can't my attention span or my and the time I have to give something is short. Mm -hmm. So uh, I don't have so I kind of dig those the most. I like fighting games. That I, I, so I, that I like those too. Mostly arcadey type stuff would be, would be my stuff. You I know, mean, I, I know everything else like sports and driving. I mean it's okay, but if I had to pick my favorite, it'd probably be like arcade action. Okay, stuff. how about least favorite? Um, RPGs, Japanese RPGs would be my least favorite. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else. I mean, th that's far and away my least favorite. I, I just I don't have the time to to get into them. So I those I don't like. What about you? Uh, my favorite games are weird concept games slash life simulation games. All right. Um, so let me give you some examples. Like uh, school days, yeah. where you play as a kid. You know, I hate games where you have to go out and save the world from an alien. Okay, it's been done. I don't mind them if they, if that has nothing to do with the actual game. Uh, you know, I <laughs> you know like I mean? uh, Trash Man for the ZX Spectrum. I'm listening to bus Spectrum games. Uh, little computer people. You know, games that are, <laughs> simulate sort of real life activities. I find to be extremely pleasurable. Um, I also, like you, enjoy arcade-inspired games where you can quickly get in and get out. Yeah. And uh, sort of high score slash time challenges, things yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, my least favorite games, without a doubt, are first-person perspective role-playing <laughs> games. Things like Dungeon Master, um, The uh, Hound of Shadows. Hound of Shadows um, was, was uh, text. No, Hound of Shadows. The, well, I mean, it just had pictures up there, right? Anything where you've got a first-person perspective and you're sort of plodding through an environment one frame at a time. What about mo more modern versions of those? I still, you know, I still they're still not my favorite. Um, you know, like for example, the the Elder Scrolls games. Right, that's I probably about. played a, a billion hours of those, but I played a good percentage of it looking over the shoulder. There's just something about being able to see my guy in the world that I like. I can understand that. You know, I can understand that. Um, I also dislike uh, any kind of um, overly complex strategy games. Games where you have to think really, really far in the future. Yeah. To me, the the line between that and actually doing like a work type job is very, very thin. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. And, and and I would also put a lot of uh, puzzle games in that list. Too. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, really, if, if I had to pick my bottom three in, in particular order, the worst JRPGs and some RPGs, and then next would be strategy and, and next would be puzzle games. I mean, it's not saying there's nothing in there that I like, but they're... Right. Three. I mean, we've played some deep strategy games, and I never feel like I've got a good grasp of them. It's mm -hmm. a lot like playing board games at Jamie's. Yeah. Our buddy, every week is a new board game, and by God, it's it's hard to grasp the last week's board game. I'm not ready for the new one yet. I feel it's, exactly the same so way. So when you try to do this, and luckily, they usually give us some heads up on the show so we can sit down. Uh, uh, but, you know, like I said, I mentioned it last week that I've been, I kept playing... Uh, that Lords of Chaos game, and I'm and and I now I feel like I'm finally getting a good grip on what it, on what's going on with it. But I mean, that's trying to trying to absorb that in a week 
is difficult. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so those are tough. Sim life comes to mind. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, we also got some feedback uh, last week from uh, Edvin Helland. Uh, we were talking about vacation time and how all the uh, all the Scandinavians get you know six to seven years of vacation a year. Uh, he said, uh, "You mentioned I had five weeks mandatory vacation. I don't since I'm in the private sector. I only have four weeks, but I can have five if I want." He says, "The system here is that vacation pay is deducted by your employer the previous year, ten percent in my job. But if I want five weeks, you're deducted twelve percent." so that you have enough money to finance your holiday. So you actually get holiday pay from last year's deduction. Mm. So It's an interesting system. Yeah, absolutely. So thanks for that info, Edwin. Uh, last week, our supporter song, Aaron, you chose it. Mm-hmm. Yellow Submarine mm-hmm. by the Rolling Stones. Uh, Pixels at Dawn got that one right. Gary Heather, super easy. Kate Fox, Jason Warns, Eric Nelson, and Edvin Helland. Congratulations, one and all. This week, Aaron has uh, selected another song for me to sing. He's writing it down right now. If you know the answer to this week's uh, Patreon song, feel free to write me a message at john at amigospodcast.com, and I will read your name on the air. We do have a new Patreon supporter this week. We want to give a special welcome to Mike W., uh, I believe he's known on Twitter as Ultra Magnus TCV. So Fancy. thank you, uh, thank you for joining us as an Amigo supporter, Mike. You know that one? Mm-mm. No. You're kidding me. Um, I, I only know the the chorus, the hook. Do you know the verse? Could you sing the verse? Every to that single song? bit of it. Every single bit I could. All right. That's I'll, a, I'll come up with another okay. one. Okay. Keep so keep reading. So um, I guess we'll we'll just talk about what's coming up next week on the Amigos, uh, I believe that this is some sort of another strategy game. It's sort of a real-time uh, turn-based strategy. I don't know anything about it. It's called Damocles Mercenary 2. Damocles is like the sword of Damocles. Yeah, I, I, But I, don't, I still don't know what that means, though. It's just something I've heard. Well, um, I, I don't know either. I don't, I, don't, I don't know anything about this game. I've never heard the first one either. Yeah. So there you go. Did uh, you just shake your stylus as if to put more ink into it? That's right. Are you going to go over the uh, site videos this week? Well, I think we could. <laughs> All right. I'm not going to do that this week. I'll do that next week since we just did one of those from most people. Okay. Do whatever you want then. All right. Mike Decker 3. Wait. Mike W. Decker 3. Wood. Gary had the free lunch. Kate Fox. David Pickford, Cameron Armstrong, Andrew Jones, Lobstrom, and Nader, Craig McClellan, Timid, and Amiga Retrocast, Countering Virtual She, Bernard Quinn, Retro Mankey, Tim Drew, Simon Rose, Joseph Harrison, Kyle Letter, Rob O'Hara, Howard, Nims, Matthew, Larry Moore, Andy Craig, Sean Zoe, Darren Lomax, Colin419, Bark Bid, Roland, Burke, Andrew Monks, Joe the Zombie, John Cook, Dan Ross, Leaf Kidlon, Alec Kabam. Chekote, Level Lord, John Marshall, Matthew Perron, Ricky DeRocha. Creepy Dead Boy Figure, see this, see this low Norris, Stefan Sergord, Mortensen. Evan Helen, Blendo 75, Christopher Hassel, Ravi Abbott. Chris Foles, Dreamcatcher, Lauren Giroux, Graham Vebke, Lane Denson, Adam Battersby, O'Brien's Retro and Vintage, Gary Huckersee, Brian Jones, Paul Harrington, Duncan Styles, Tapes from the Crib. Josh Nand, I'm Brad, I'm Bradley, Jonas Rulo, T.H.E. Eric Nelson, Kim Tommy, Humboldtstein, Daniel Bigston, Brutal, Barracuda, Darren Coles, Jason Warns, Pixels at Dawn, Kjolbjorn Barman. I got no idea on that one. I'll tell you after the show. You'll know it okay. once, once I tell you. All right, guys, we will see you next week for Damocles Mercenary 2. Maybe next week we'll be back on our normal schedule. I believe we'll be back on our normal schedule of taping live at uh, 5.30 Eastern time here in the United States. We want to thank all the fine folks in the chat hanging out with us. Duncan Styles, Necronom, Figgy, Pixels at Dawn, Lobsterminator, Paul Bossman, Harrington's in the house, 